Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Football right here on On Texas Football, presented by Adam Lowy and the Lowy Law Firm. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined each and every morning by Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, both of On3 and Inside Texas. And guys, let's open it up with this. Jonathan Brooks, number two in the country in rushing yards overall, number one for Power 5 running backs. Are y'all blown away by that? I, I think it's uh, probably the surprise of the of the early season is uh, that Texas, especially after the first two games, neither running back had a ton of yards. It's really been the last four where Jonathan Brooks and the Texas offensive line have kind of asserted themselves. Uh, I wonder, you know, what's what exactly that's going to mean long term. Uh, but uh, he's well on his way to a thousand yard season and we're only half the way in. Uh, yeah, my the look. My thought on that is, I was looking at Texas' uh, remaining schedule and where they rank defensively this year. And I know we'll get into that more later. Um, Texas doesn't play really good defense left on the schedule. I mean, they. I mean, Iowa State's ranked forty-five. K State's ranked forty-nine. Naturally, those go down as you play more Big Twelve games and get away from your non-conference G five games, which you dominate defensively. Um, so, in my mind, Texas doesn't play a top 50 defense the rest of the way. Texas offense is going to put up big numbers, guys. I, well, I want to say this. Talk about Texas offense putting up big numbers. I wrote this on Inside Texas this morning, Jerry. Um, uh, frankly, Texas had four has averaging 486 yards a game of total offense right now. 6.9 yards per play. Yep. The only team I could find in the last 25 years that even came remotely close to that number of uh, to that yards per play is the 2005 national championship team, which averaged 7.1. The 2008 team averaged 6.7, I believe. Yeah. So the 2023 team right now is averaging more yards per play than even the 2008 team that that went uh, 12 and 1, 13 and 1 or the 2009 national title uh, contender. So the, the offense is starting to pick up, especially in the last three weeks, our last two weeks, for sure. Yeah. Three, look, I say, Kansas, say, Kansas, I'm sorry, Kansas, Baylor, and OU. The offense is, is taking it up a notch since Wyoming. Sandman said lots of yards. We need more points. I, look, I got to tell you, I mean, you know, you have 30 points against OU with, with three turnovers and a uh, – um, and a running into the punter and a dropped interception. You have 30 points in that game. You have 40 against Kansas. Um, probably don't even punch in it as much as you want. It could. Um, you know what? 38 on Baylor. So uh, I, 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 if Texas doesn't average 39 and a half, 40 points a game, uh, the rest of the season, I'll be surprised. And at 40 points a game against that schedule, if you lose, you've had a horrible day at the office defensively. That's all I'll say. I, I want to say this uh, too as well, Jerry, if you don't mind it. I was doing some number crunching this morning. Uh, Texas obviously has red zone issues. Uh, we've talked about that ad nauseum. The Longhorns have made 24 trips inside the red zone this year and scored 11 touchdowns. So that's a 46% TD rate. Uh, by comparison, last year, they had a 60, um, a 62% touchdown rate in the red zone. So they're definitely down. They're all, almost 50% down year over year uh, from what they were a year ago. 
maybe that's Bijan and Roshan, you know, and the 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 run emphasis that Texas had on those with those guys. Maybe it's uh, some other things going on, but uh, I feel like that's something that we need to be monitoring the rest of the year. The other thing is this: that Texas has only scored eleven red zone touchdowns this year, but they have twelve other touchdowns from outside the twenty. That is a big play offense if you've ever heard of one. I mean, they have 12 touchdowns of 20 yeah. yards or more six games into the season. That means they're they're averaging literally two touchdowns a game of 20 yards plus. That That's a lot. Um, and that doesn't include uh, interception return and all those other things that, that are the punt, the punt block, et cetera. My point being, uh, Texas has a big play offense. They got to get better in the red zone. Uh, the other thing I would I wanted to mention as we're talking about this today, I did this on field goals. Burt Auburn this year, Jerry, through just six games, is already 12 of 17. He's averaging right at three field goal attempts a game. You extrapolate that out to just a 12 games, you could be talking about 34 field goal attempts. That would be the most field goal attempts ever by any Texas kicker in a single year. So yeah. They are kicking too many field goals, not putting the ball in the end zone. I, all of these stats are telling us they have a powerful offense, but they're not getting it done in the red zone. And it tells me they have a lot of runway left as a team. Yes. They that's the best news for Texas fans is that you're 5-1, and one, ranked number nine in the country. You already run one at Bama, and you're one of the best offensive teams in the country, and you aren't even close to maximizing. That's the scary thing for opponents of Texas. If Texas starts maximizing a little bit better, uh, people better have a lot of offense. <laughs> yep. Hey, by the way, we had a question. You don't have to bring it back up, but uh, Antoine asked about could Texas get uh, Xavier Opono, Zion Williams, and DJ Sanders. He's talking about 2025 D linemen. I, I want to bring this up. Zion Williams and Dylan Battle at Mansfield Timberview, the 2025 D linemen at the top of the board. I'm not so sure DJ Sanders isn't an offensive lineman long term. Opono, we'll see if Texas pushes. But Zion Williams, Dylan Battle, in-state in 2025 are the names to know. Out-of-state Brandon Brown at O'Galley and Melbourne's an absolute beast. Um, and I expect Bo Davis by there later this week to uh, make sure they see his face. Jerry, you're talking recruiting. Texas made an offer, a new offer yesterday to a defensive lineman out of Mississippi. It's the third scholarship offer the Longhorns have made in the last two and a half, three weeks to 2024 Class of 2024. We talked about late evaluations. Uh, talk about Alex Foster from Greenville, Mississippi. Yeah, Alex Foster, Greenville, Mississippi. Obviously, uh, Bo Davis will be very familiar going into that territory to recruit. He's from Mississippi. He's recruited that state for years. Uh, Texas offered him last night. He's a kid that was 6'4", 230, 235 as a junior. Um, this year, he's 6'5". They list him at 276. So let's say 65, 265, 270. But he's got long arms. Um, I, I told I sent the video to Bobby. Bobby said he's got loose limbs, all that. I mean, he's a he's a talented kid with a ton of upside. And you know, Baylor did a good job getting on him early. They beat out Arkansas and Georgia Tech. Those were his three June visits. Kentucky offered him at the beginning of August. I think Ole Miss is about to offer him. Uh, now with Texas offering, you know, a few other schools will jump in as well. Uh, but I expect Texas to get out and see him soon. Uh, but he's one of those type of guys. Look, I mean. Everybody wants to, you know, add water instant player on the D line. That's just not the way it works. You got to take guys and develop them. And 
this guy's got a lot of juice to develop now. Uh, really good, smart kid as well. Uh, Justin Wells of Inside Texas spoke with him last night. He'll have an update. Who are the other two recent offers? We talked about Xavier Filosimi, but what about the defensive lineman, Dimitri Nicholas, out of uh, South Florida? Yeah, um, well, I want to talk about Phil Same real quick. Okay. Adam okay. McKinney, a five-star safety committed to Florida. It's, it's funny, we're getting into this recruiting uh, uh, part of the year where um, it's it's just it's fun, and here's why it's fun. First of all, we broke the news Friday that he was coming to the Texas OU game. Then we broke the news Saturday that he was offered by Texas. Um, the interesting thing was I was on the uh, radio with Aaron and Rod in, uh, in Austin a few minutes ago, and somebody texted into the Vaquero hotline, hey, my cousin is a safety in Texas. He's committed somewhere else. He's about to go to he's, – he's about to flip to Texas. And I, I just started laughing because that's where we're at in recruiting right now. So was that the cousin of Xavier Philsame? I guess we'll find out in a few weeks. But I'll say this. I just put out a, a store in Inside Texas, the resetting the, the recruiting board. Um, uh, Texas is very much in it. I'll say that Georgia's also making a strong push there. So you know how talented this kid is. Will Muschamp ain't recruiting stiffs at safety at Georgia, okay? So uh, not, not with the defensive talent they have in Athens right now. So Philsame can run. He's got a frame. Um, and Texas, I think, has a legit shot there. Uh, the other offers, Dimitri Nicholas out of uh, Miami Norland, defensive lineman, 6'3", 295, really good point of attack player with some body quickness. Uh, Bo Davis is expected there later this week as well. I think he's going to – all the Texas coaches hit the road Thursday through Saturday. We know some of the places they're going to go, like A.J. Milwee will be at K.J. Lacey's game Friday. He's going to go see Trey Owens Thursday. Uh, Bo Davis will be in Florida to see Nicholas Thursday, DeAndre Robinson Friday, probably Brandon Brown at O'Galley Friday as well out in Melbourne. Uh, Tashard Choice is going to be at IMG to see Jarrett Gibson. Kyle Flood's going to be Houston, Dallas, seeing his guys. Then he's going to go out to the modern day game uh, to see DeAndre Carter, Brandon Baker Friday night. They play St. John Bosco, which is the high school game of the week. And if not for Oregon and Washington, would be the game of the week on the West Coast. I mean, that's there's that much talent and that many college coaches will be at that game. Uh, we don't know where Sark will be yet. That'll be interesting to see. Will he go to K.J. Lacey's game or will he go out to modern day Bosco Friday? That'll be interesting to see. Um, Chris Jackson, wide receivers coach, will be he'll be on the move. But in Friday, he'll be in St. Louis to see Ryan Wingo. Uh, so the Texas staff is making some push, uh, some push on these guys. Um, and there's three new offers out there, two on the D-line, one at uh, obviously at safety, which are, you know, positions of need. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, that segment brought to you by Caldera Labs, and I'm going to give you guys the rundown on Caldera Lab. Uh, season's greetings, more like season's compliments, because compliments are guaranteed after making the leap to skin skincare with Caldera Lab. And I'm talking about how you look today and 20 years from now. The results are incredible in little time. Men's Skincare and Caldera Lab are the perfect pair for you to look and feel your best. It's super easy to add to your morning and nightly routine. Clear skin, less wrinkles, and signs of aging, enough said. Caldera Lab Skincare, join the 100,000 men who trust Caldera Lab to show your best first impression this fall. And they've created high-performance men's skincare products, and the regimen leads off their product lineup. It's a twice-a-day routine to transform your skin. For me personally, I'm always out in the sun, which means taking care of my skin is the top priority. With Caldera Labs products, that's no longer an issue. I use the regimen and have seen results in just a couple of weeks. And the best part is it takes no time at all. And just for our audience, we have an exclusive deal. 
go to calderalab.com, use promo code ONTEXAS, and you'll get 20% off right now. That's promo code ONTEXAS at calderalab.com for 20% off and to make first unforgettable first impressions with the best gift this holiday season. So want to thank them. And guys, plenty of time to get your questions, by the way. So please, please get them in and we will get to them here in just a second. Bobby, what you got? I got to say this. My wife put some of that Caldera stuff on me yesterday. So I don't have bad bags under my eyes because of that today. So <laughs> there you just, go. For the record. Good stuff. <laughs> no hey, doubt Jerry, about it. Jerry, <laughs> Blake, let's get to some questions. Jerry, you have anything else you want to you riff off before we get going on that? No, no. I think the other thing is uh, we've talked about it, but I'm really excited to watch portal recruiting this year. Um, I think the one thing, look, these college coaches, they're learning too, right? Is what FSU's done and what OU did in the portal in a short amount of time. Colorado. Colorado. Um, I, I Even though Colorado ended up six and six, seven and five, but you know, FSU and OU have made themselves contenders out of the portal quickly. I think it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be very interesting. I think Texas is going to uh, have a, they're going to be more aggressive in the portal than they have been to date, Bobby. I don't know what you think. I, I think Texas will be aggressive uh, in the portal without de- without a question. I think a lot of teams are though, including nationally ranked teams. It's going to get more competitive in this, this cycle in the portal. I think so. I think yeah. you're going to find that uh, Tennessee made hay in the portal too. Yeah. That's part of how they've gotten back to where they're at. So, all right, guys. Uh, we, I'm glad y'all brought up the portal because yesterday on insidetexas.com, we had a question and I made a note to ask y'all this morning. Uh, but this comes from B Cook 3108. And he says, on one of, on one of the next videos, can y'all discuss how the portal works for Texas? Do they get intel before players go into the portal? What is that process like? Yeah, so uh, this is the way I, I would explain it. Um, so when you when you have these coaches have years and years of relationships established, right? <clears throat> so a lot of times I think people think a coach DMs a kid in the portal, says jump in the portal, yeah, we'll recruit you. I, that's not necessarily how this works. Um, <clears throat> you know, you have seven on seven coaches, you have high school coaches, and while these kids are in college, they have relationships with these guys. I think some a lot of times things things I've heard, whether it's basketball or football, AAU coach, former high school coach, seven on seven coach will reach out to some schools. A kid might be interested, said, Hey, my guy, he's thinking about jumping in the portal here, my former player. Um, would y'all have interest? <clears throat> That's the way a lot of this works from the start. Then it goes from there. Yeah, they use liaisons. Yes. Or agent. I mean you could use the term agent, but they're not really agent because they're not actually negotiating anything. They're just trying to gauge interest of, and who might be an interested party. Yeah. That that's really how the, the, the beginning goes. Hey, I had something, a little note on uh, the impact of transfers or portal transfers. I'm looking at NCAA stats, top 10 passers in the country right now. Um, five of them are, or excuse me, six of them are transfers. Shadir, Shadur Sanders, Michael Penix, Jalen Daniels, Dylan Gabriel, Caleb Williams, and then you can add this one, JT Daniel, the former Rice quarterback, or the current Rice quarterback, is actually uh, seventh in the country right now in passing offense. Uh, so maybe Texas did see a top passer prior to Dylan Gabriel, Jerry. 
They just didn't have the offensive line that could do anything about it. Yeah. Pass rush at bay. Well, I mean, look, if uh, it's a JT Daniels has uh, as much experience as Aaron Rodgers at this point. So um, he, he, better <laughs> be able to, he better be able to function as a college quarterback at this point. Yep. All right, well, we're going to take another question about the portal. This one from Colton. And he says, portal needs. Are they defensive tackle, defensive end, linebacker, wide receiver, tight end, and maybe even a quarterback? Obviously I, talking about going into next season. Yeah, I think a wide receiver, obviously you're going to lose three probably. A tight end, if you can find that downfield threat, um, yes. Um, linebacker, potentially, yes, because you you will be a little green there next year, even though you're very talented. Um, edge, we'll see on that. We'll, we'll see on that. I mean, Texas is going to return everybody at edge, and you add Colin Simmons and Zena, uh, and Colin Simmons being the impact guy there. Um, I think AM leads for Solomon Williams. So I, I you know, we'll see what happens there. Um, but uh, you know, D D tackle, that's a tougher one, man. That's a hard position. Um, that's that's a tougher position. Um, and we'll and we'll we'll see what guys do. There's some guys that have there are a couple of guys that have decisions to make. Um, so we'll see what happens there. I think punter is a big one. I Michael Kern's a talented high school punter, but if you can find a stopgap talented college punter for one year you're going to do it while you get michael kern ready uh, i believe punter would be one to look at as well um you know bobby i mean we could throw some a safety i don't think we can leave safety out texas will be looking at safety in the portal depending on if Jalen Catalan comes back or not yeah and jaron thompson jaron thompson theoretically could come back for another year so could Ke- keaton crawford but i think if it's just keaton crawford they're going to look for another safety in the portal they have to at this point, um, I, I've got this this list written down, Jerry. Um, you tell me what you think. I had wide receiver two, tight end one, defensive tackle one, safety question mark, linebacker question mark. And that doesn't include punter, obviously. Yeah. So uh, heavy, heavy offensive skill. They've got to have I think they got to have two wide receivers, not just one. Uh, otherwise, you're going to if Nayor leaves along with the other three. Right. That puts. Yeah, for sure. You have all you have are true sophomores really coming back. And that's that's not going to be enough. No, not at all. All right, we got another portal question here. Sandman23 asks, is portal management slightly more important than high school recruiting? Depends on where you're at as a program for me. So Georgia portal doesn't isn't as impactful for them. If they get a couple of guys, great, but they already have the most talented roster in college football. Um, if you a new coach taking over a powerful program, a blue blood program or a, a power program, it's very important. I think Texas is in the middle of that right now. Um, I, I think Texas, look, I, I think there's it's one thing about college football. It's starting to go towards college basketball will never be at that level it, is there's not really an excuse for being inexperienced anymore. There's not an excuse for being an inexperienced team. So I think for Texas, if long as the key is, and Bobby's mentioned this for two years, as long as you're getting starter level players out of the portal that can impact winning immediately. And, and if you can get guys that have two years left, you're really winning in the portal. Well, so here's the other piece to this. Like, I think. I don't know that that portal recruiting is more important. I, I think roster management has become the most important thing. And portal recruiting, both coming in and leaving, 
as well as high school recruiting all wind up into that category. So roster management uh, it has become the thing as much as or more than high school recruiting. It's not it's not any one thing. It's all of it mixed together because, look, Texas added, what, five or six guys last season, of which three are starting. Uh, the other two of the other three are playing heavy, heavy minutes or three of the other three are playing heavy minutes. I feel I feel Texas um, and, and everywhere around college football are moving to roster management as much as they are recruiting. But I will say this, there is no better way to get young people into your program and bring them along than recruiting. Uh, the fact that uh, you have guys like Jaron Ford, Baron Sorrell, Byron Murphy, Tavondre Sweat, uh, Jake Majors, Jordan Whittington, th those guys – I, even Xavier Worthy, Jonathan Brooks, those guys are the backbone of your team. They all got to you via high school recruiting. So I, I still say high school recruiting is the most important thing because it gives you the depth more so than portal recruiting. Portal recruiting, if you're just going for depth in portal recruiting, you get a wide variety. You can end up with a Jai Hall or yeah. Jaleel Billingsley where it's fool's gold and it's yeah. not true depth. And that's where I think Texas is close where they want to be. I think early on with Stark, you take a couple of risks. I think now you're at the point where you don't have to take the risks. You right. take the sure things or the sure talent, things that have um, maybe fit your culture a little better. Right. Blake, there's a question I, I want to get to before I uh, talk about uh, Manscaped. Ah, great question from Rob Enfield. Has, an, has Texas ever had an Aggie decommit who panned out? Well, most Texas fans are going to say Anthony Hill right off the bat. Yep, and they should. <laughs> um, Leonard Davis? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the two off the top of my head. I, I'm, sure there's, I'm sure there's others, but those are the major Applewhite. Yeah, there you go. That's a good one. I think I'm done at that point. <laughs> Major Applewhite was dropped by AM, by the way. Yeah. When uh, Steve Ensminger left uh, yeah. AM, they fired him and they just stopped recruiting Major. Major called Texas. Yeah. Didn't That's how that went. Learned something. Leonard Davis was obviously a big one. <laughs> Who, who's that? Leonard Davis was a massive one back in the day. Today, that would have blown up the internet. Yes. <laughs> All right, guys, we have a question here. And Jerry, last night, I know we were kind of talking about expectations on the live stream. Well, this kind of has to do with that. Daniel Kinneman says, halfway through the season, the Longhorns are 5-1, and one, and it feels like the floor is a New, New, New Year's Six Bowl. Do you agree? Better be. I think so. <laughs> I think 10-2 and two is the floor right now. 9-3. and three, it, 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 Something Quinn Ewers would have knock on wood. Clint, Quinn Ewers would have to get hurt for Texas not to go 10 and 2, in my opinion. Yeah. That's that's how talented this team is compared to some of the people they're they're going up against. Uh so uh we'll see how that ends up. But that's that's my initial thought. Hey guys, I want to take a second right now for Manscaped, if we if we can do that. Uh we're brought to you today by Manscaped. Uh the uh, handyman, uh, which I have in my hand. <laughs> Uh, we're brought to you today by Manscaped, who has taken a step up from Balloween to bring your face the cleanest shave it's ever seen. So this season, no need to toil and trouble. Manscaped's all-new handyman is the best way to get rid of that stubble. 
featuring a compact design and next-gen skin-safe technology. The Handyman was designed to give you that smooth finish without the mess of a traditional shave. Get the sweetest treat this Halloween by going to manscaped.com and use code ONTEXAS, all caps, for 20% off plus free shipping. And this is where I talk about all the time for wet or dry use. Feel free to bring this anywhere and everywhere. I travel a lot. Uh, this compact design and airplane friendliness make this the perfect travel tool for an on for on the go and being able to shave up to three days growth without the mess of a wet shave is priceless. Again, manscaped.com. Use code on Texas, all caps for 20% off plus free shipping. Uh, thank you to manscaped.com. And look, this is how little this is. That, the shaver, that's it. I take this with me on the road now. Very go. great product. Looks Thanks. like a deodorant. Looks like deodorant almost, like the old de deodorants. Great product from Manscaped. It goes everywhere with me now. I'm a car shaver, so, you know, <laughs> that's perfect for that. Don't do that in Houston traffic, please. Uh. <laughs> Moving on here, Captain Americano says, I know the team is disappointed with last week's outcome. The bye week affords lots of time for the reflect reflection and correction. What does the team need to do mentally to recover and prepare themselves to move on? So I, I'm going to have a different answer than you guys. I don't want them to recover mentally. I want them to be pissed off. I want it to hurt as long as possible. And that's not me being mean. Um, you know, that's not me being mean. It, it's just that, you know, like I, I, I want them to be pissed off. I want this to be motivation. I want the, the guys to, to, uh, to know every day they take the field. This is a game they should have won. It needs to stick in their craws, what you're yes, saying. Yes. I, I, I think that's fine. I, I think that's fine. As long as it doesn't inhibit execution. Yeah. That, that's the, I mean, cause sometimes being mad can affect people in such a way that they can't even do the normal things they were able to do previously. So you can't let that be the overwhelming uh, piece of it. Uh, but I, I agree with Jerry to somewhat, uh, somewhat there. You have to be, you have to have motivation. Uh, playing to them, uh, playing back against them would be motivation in my opinion. That's it. Uh, and so you get back to that point, I, I think things look, look a little bit different. And now the next question here, guys, is coming from Andrew Brock. And he says, how hard will it be for Texas to move back up in the rankings, considering that our remaining schedule isn't that tough? I think it's a great question. And here's why it's going to be pretty easy to move up the rankings. The, all the undefeated teams, just like last week, Texas and OU played, they're about to start playing each other. Oregon plays Washington this weekend. Somebody's taking their first L. So on a bye week, Texas is probably moving up a spot. Then you have Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State are about to start playing each other. Penn State's at Ohio State in two weeks. All these undefeated teams are about to start playing each other. So if Texas just takes care of their business, you just chip away a spot at a time. It doesn't matter who you play. People are going to lose. And at the end of the day, as long as Oklahoma keeps winning and you want Oklahoma to win out, I hate to say it for Texas fans, you want 12-0 OU versus 11-1 Texas in the Big 12 championship game. That's what you want if your ultimate goal is to be in the college football playoff um, because you want to beat OU in that game because you want to have wins over Alabama and Oklahoma. I don't think people – I don't think many – and Kansas will go on and have a really good year. 
I'm not sure who will have three better wins. How many teams will have three better wins than that? Um, but the Pac-12, they're going to start losing games because they're going to start playing each other. Big Ten's going to start losing games. They're going to start playing each other. The ACC's where it gets interesting because FSU's schedule is pretty favorable as well, especially with Florida. See what happens at Florida, even though they got to go to Florida. Um, but North Carolina is kind of the spoiler team out there. Uh, uh, old Matt Brown back on uh, national TV Saturday night against Miami. I can already hear him saying it's a great day for college football right off the gate. Man. <laughs> a great night for college football. Mario's a good guy. He just made a bad decision. <laughs> um, there. Hey, I, I got one question from the Inside Texas message board, guys. Kelvin Banks, is he 100% healthy heading into the bye, or is he dealing with something nagging? He is dealing with a nagging uh, ankle injury. Uh I expect him to go light in practice this week to try to get healthy. There's a number of guys that are are nicked up, not necessarily injured right now uh, for Texas. He is certainly uh, one of those. Also, uh, congratulations. According, uh, I haven't looked this up, but I'm going to take his word for it. Uh, Elliot Spaziri uh, won the NCAA uh, All Tournament in singles, aka the national title for Division One this semester. Uh, that's a University of Texas, uh, I believe he's a junior now, uh, Elliot, Elliot Spaziri. Uh, we also men- we often mention uh, when good things happen uh, with other sports at the University of Texas, congratulations to him for winning the national title in, ten- in men's tennis. All right, Zane Petty says, do you guys feel like Sark and PK went into the OU game overconfident? It seems like their game plans were developed that way. I don't necessarily think that's the case. I don't think coaches are necessarily overconfident, guys. Um, they, they've been around the game too much. Uh, I think that they wish they had things back. I think that if they knew Dylan Gabriel was going to run 10-plus times, uh, they would have game-planned differently. If, uh, you know, if, if Steve Sarkeesian thought that OU's defensive front could really handle the Texas offensive line, he may have called a different game from the outset. But, you know, part of this is you learn things when you go in there and what kind of football team you have. All right, then this next question here from Pablo Valenzuela. Jerry, get your sunglasses. Why can't Alfred Collins reach his potential? Why? Well, I guess I – what is the potential stats this year? I mean, I, I guess that's the question. He's playing good football. He's, I mean, he's going to be an NFL draft pick. He, he had, look, I thought the kid coming out could have been a first-round pick because he just has that much pure talent. Um, but he he obviously is not there. Um, I, I do think if they're playing more – if he was playing more of a traditional three-tech this year, his stats would look better because he'd be getting much more quarterback pressure from the interior. Probably have a couple of sacks. But is he, gonna, is he playing up this potential? Why can't he – You'd have to ask him that because right now, to me, it's on him. And I'm going to read this comment here uh, directed to you, Bobby, from Bob Pacella. He says, good morning from Dunwoody, Georgia. Nothing better than coffee and football. Bobby, I'm headed to the A&M Tennessee game this Saturday. Tennessee's offense will give Jimbo fits. Let's see. I mean, look. A&M's fifth in the country in defense right now. Yeah, A&M is not bad on defense. The, The issue they have is they can't cover anybody in the secondary. Yeah. Um, not, not real well. I, I will say this 
Florida stymied. Uh, yeah, Tennessee's the bad offense. sign for Tennessee. And I don't know that that Josh Heupel's style of def- style of offense ne- necessarily lends itself to what uh, A and M has issues with. And I know that they're supposed to be this pass first offense, but they're also one read. It's also a one read offense, um, in my opinion. And Joe Milton is not a he's not there yet. The, the quarterback at Tennessee, uh, but being able to get off his first read. So a And M is going to be able to co- be coached up enough to take away that first read, um, and I don't think and Tennessee doesn't have the guys they had a year ago. Jalen Hyatt's not there. Um, Neyland Stadium is is a big time stadium. Been to games there, hundred thousand plus. Uh, but I don't know. I don't see Tennessee being that good this year. I guess is the biggest issue I have. They're not as good as they were a year ago for sure. Right. Let's say this too though. This a Huge game for AM. Oh, yeah. If they if they're four and two right now, Jerry, they go four and three. Natives are gonna get very restless oh, and look natives. I, natives, the whole <laughs> but I mean, hey, we talk about how tw- in 2024 recruiting an Oklahoma loss doesn't doesn't hurt Texas. They already beat Alabama. What hurts you in 2024 is if a fan base and alumni base starts questioning if somebody should be your coach. That's where you can lose your momentum in recruiting. Think about AM last year with Anthony Hill, all the stuff that was going on. AM has a really good class. If they lose this game Saturday, that the talk is going to be all negative. All negative. Um, and AM's going to be the AM would be in a tough spot because he still is going to go seven and five or eight and four if he loses this game, in my opinion. So that's a tough spot to be in for people. But when that negative talk, and it impacts Florida too, Texas is recruiting Wardell Mack and Xavier Philsame. Huge game for Florida. And both these teams are on the road at South Carolina this week. If they lose to South Carolina, they're four and three. They got a week off, then Georgia's going to pound them in Jacksonville. Um, so then you're four and four, and you're looking at five and seven in year two under Napier. Great guy, but that doesn't work in recruiting, man. No, imagine if Sark would have been five and seven in year two. This, 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 these live streams would have like, 80, like Charlie Strong. These know. live streams would have eighty people on them every day. <laughs> eighty mad people. It, it would actually have only two hosts too. It would <laughs> it'd just be us talking to each other. I <laughs> got uh, Tariq B says I'm still not over how Brett Venables manufactured points or the scenario for his team using the clock and timeouts while Sark has not shown over 30 games to consistently do that. He wants to know y'all's thoughts. I just don't – I don't necessarily agree with it. I mean, Tariq, I don't necessarily agree. I mean, what, what – Brent Venables called two timeouts. That Sark could have easily – and would have called timeouts if he were on the opposite side doing the exact same thing. Uh, I, I don't know that I agree with that. Um, the key play, if you really look back to it in that drive, was the first down – uh, that that uh, fundamentally changed it was the sack on Quinn Ewers. That changed the play call from from uh, Steve Sarkeesian. So, <laughs> Blake and I are laughing at the same comment. <laughs> what, what, what comment is it, guys? Uh, don't bring it up. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's maybe the funniest thing ever said on this. this uh, we're we're going to move on. <laughs> yeah, look at eight forty four a.m. Bobby. It's pretty funny. All right, uh, Emmanuel Villafranco. He says, who will be our starting wide receivers next year? Oh, man. 
Um, that's a tough question. I mean, I, Jontae Cook will start. Um, very good player. We'll get more time as season moves along. Um, uh, you know, after that, it's going to depend on the portal. I mean, and Ryan Wingo will have a chance to be an impact player if he picks Texas because he's a midterm enrollee. Uh, John Taylor, uh, John Taylor will be one starter. Let, well, let's see. Uh, um, let's see what happens in the portal and how high school recruiting finishes. Sounds like Sark likes or said he thinks uh, DeAndre Moore's close. He, he's very, he's so smooth. He's going to play a lot. Yeah. Uh, so that that might be the other one that would replace what I think is the the uh, position that Jordan Whittington currently yeah. plays. Okay. Kidman has a good NFL drafts question yeah. after this one. All right, I'll come back to that one. Derek Mundy says, do you feel like the Red River shootout rivalry, whatever you want to call it, matters less now that the top two in the conference go to the conference championship? I feel like it mattered more when normally the winner of it represented the division. No, so here's why I, I get his point. Here's why I say no. Well, one, this is the last year of it. But two, um, I can tell you from being there Saturday um, – I'm not sure it's not going to mean more in the future. Be, it, it, no matter how the 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 pods or however whatever you want to call them work out, um, that atmosphere Saturday was a little different for me. I think the move to the SEC, people are jazzed up about it. Both teams are moving to the SEC. Um, both teams are on now officially ascending as programs. Uh, I don't know, man. I think this game's massive, and it's going to get bigger. I, I look, I can't, and I think of t- terms in recruiting uh, as well. I just can't imagine, you know. Like I talked to uh, Riley Pettijohn, the junior linebacker at McKinney. He's going to go to the Florida FSU at Florida game. I think he may. Get, he's going to Syracuse at FSU this weekend. Though even those games aren't going to compare to what he saw Saturday. They that that game. He said the only game he's been to that compares was Florida at LSU a few years ago when he said he was younger. This game's massive right now. But that's not really his question, but that's just the way I'm thinking of it moving forward. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Blake, you're, you're, uh, you're muted, Blake. My apologies. I'm going to go to that question that you were referencing a second ago, Jerry, from Daniel Kinnaman. He says, based upon what you've seen up to this point, which players are drafted or at least get a camp invite to get a cup of coffee in the league in 2024? Uh, Let's start on offense. Uh, Quinn, first, second round. Jonathan Brooks will have a decision to make. Um, JT Sanders is a probably, you know, second, third round type of guy, probably. I'm, I wonder if he gets dinged for lack of catch radius by NFL when they start really, you know, because they look for a wart even when it doesn't exist sometimes. Uh, that on offense, then you have A.D. Mitchell, you have Worthy. I think Whittington's more of an undrafted free agent. Um, D, uh, Christian Jones will be drafted at so, somewhere. Will he play tackle? Will he play guards? The question, probably guard. 
defense, I mean, Byron Murphy, Sweat, Collins will all be drafted players. Um, you know, after that, Ryan Watts probably has a good chance to get drafted. Keelan Robinson and Keaton Crawford could. Uh, Ryan Watts looked at as a safety, could get drafted like late sixth, seventh round, right? Depending on how he runs. Keaton Crawford, uh, Keelan Robinson, one of those guys could get drafted late as a special teams guy or just un UF undrafted free agents. Um, obviously, Jalen Ford will be a drafted player. I, I want to say this on, on those. Uh, I, Keelan Robinson is definitely gone. Keaton Crawford could come back or transfer out, Jerry. Yeah. He's got another year. I would expect that to happen. Ryan Watts, I, I could see him making a team or getting picked up by a team. I don't necessarily think he's going to be a guy, uh, though, long-term. Uh, I, I just – right now he's, he's – Oh, John A. Barron. John A. Barron. John A. Barron's definite. Yeah. He's, he's a draft pick. Um, so, if you look at that, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, possibly eight draft picks uh, right now, not including Jonathan Brooks, that's, that's a strong group. That is a very strong group. Plus Keelan Robinson, uh, maybe Ryan Watts in, in camps. Not, not to mention Jake uh, Jake Majors, who he still has a year to come back if he wants to as well. Okay, I'm going to well, Anybody think he Quinn's coming back next year? Y'all can stop the conversation. It's not happening. Yeah, that's that's done. That ship has sailed. Yeah, uh, unless he gets injured again. I mean, I, unless something or, or he reverts somehow. But it, the last three games he's put together. You know, you don't you don't do what he did against OU and that what is he twenty four or twenty five at one point in that game? That, yeah. that doesn't happen, and then you stay. And, and I just want to read something: the Texas uh, schedule the rest of the way defensive ranks nationally. Houston one hundred and third, K State forty nine, which means you end up outside the fifty at top fifty because you're playing more Big Twelve teams. BYU sixty, TCU sixty three. Iowa State, 45. They'll end up outside the top 50. Texas Tech, 66. They don't – I mean, they're not playing a defense anywhere close to Alabama, the rest of the way, guys. Something to, And Texas is averaging 500 – the last two games, 570 yards against OU and Kansas, who arguably have as the best defenses they're going to play left on the schedule. Quinn's going to have big numbers. No doubt. All right, Jay Lee has the super chat, y'all, and I want to thank him. He says, any guys that you think would be addition by subtraction after the season, or do we need them rather than we want them? Thompson, Crawford, et cetera. I'll, I'll, let, Bob, think, I'll let Bobby tackle this no, one. No, <laughs> I, think, I think, Steve, I, I think there were some guys that were addition by subtraction last year. Um, I think Texas has culled its roster to where that's no longer the case. I mean, they may, may be a player or two, but there's not like seven or eight like there were a year ago that were, I don't want to say wasted scholarships, but wasted scholarship numbers, theoretically, right? That were never going to play, didn't have a path to playing. Texas doesn't have a lot of those guys uh, right now. They've done, they've done a nice job with that. Um, and so uh, I don't, I don't see that being the case. I really don't. And Thompson and Crawford are definitely, if you, if they want to come back, you want them back. Those are, those are guys that contribute to your team right now. Okay, we have a question here from Emmanuel Villafranco, and I'm glad he asked this because I wanted to bring it up on today's show. He said, "Did y'all see the did y'all see Arch announce his donation? He does just have it as the player, 
he is it, especially as a person. You can just see it. Humble kid. For those that don't know, of course, he's talking about the Panini one of one trading card that auctioned off for a hundred and two thousand dollars. Uh, and he donated it to the Ronald McDonald charity and just crazy that number one, that a card went for that much. There it is right there on the screen. Uh, but what do y'all think about his donation? And of course the card going for that much. Look, I, I've been around arch, um, a great dude now. I mean, none of this surprises me, uh, with him. I do think, uh, uh, look, the, the Manning family understands all this stuff. Um, and so let's put that out there. There, This is as well-groomed as you can be, uh, understanding everything that goes along with who you are, the position you play, the future. Um, so, But he, he is a really good dude. I mean, and the thing about him is if you talk to people that are around the program, and none of this is unexpected, and you talk to the players on the team that you may have a relationship with, he's just coming and fit right in. You don't. You wouldn't know who he is by his last name if you didn't already know. That's the best thing you can say about somebody that's that stature at that age, guys. Okay, they said the same thing about Kevin Durant when he came into Texas basketball, guys. I'm just, I'm just very close to that, that staff and those players, and they were like, he went to Kevin Durant was in the gym every day working, and you wouldn't have known he was the number two player in America. Arch has come in and warped just like that. That impresses teammates and your coaching staff when you're ranked that high and you carry that much weight and you come in and uh, attack it the way that Arch has done and KD did. I want to say this. Uh, so, Blake, I noticed the cards in your background. Uh, so you're, you're a trading card guy. I know the guy that actually bought uh, the card. Uh, so uh, I, I think that's tremendous. Congrats, Bobby. They knew it well. <laughs> you know, let's see if he takes me out to dinner one time. The, the, the thing that I would say to that is this, is that um, I think that they knew all along what the proceeds would most likely go to charity. Yeah. Uh, and so I think this is a great yeah. thing for Arch Manning uh, and a great thing for that the future of that card. I, I, I just, look, I, I really like the fact that his grandfather said he's not going to do a bunch of NIL stuff until he plays. Yeah. Um, so no, I did not, Rodolfo. <laughs> uh, I can promise you that. That's what I was getting I've at. Got two kids and one's in college and another one on his way. I'm not. That, that that's not possible for Bobby Burton. But anyways, I, what I'm getting at is I think it was very cool uh, and uh, uh, something that uh, Texas fans can kind of be proud of because I think it was known that that money would eventually go uh, to a local charity, and, and that's just great stuff. Hey, a couple of things real quick. Uh, Kyle Voschkas, KD was number two in his class. Who was number one? That was Greg Oden, yep. also in the draft. And it was wrong at the time. It was wrong in the draft. Kevin Durant couldn't bench 185 pounds. One of the dumbest things I've heard in my 22 years in this business. I don't care. Um, the guy averaged 26 points a game in the Big 12 when it was loaded in 11 and a half rebounds. And but he couldn't bench 185. One of the dumbest freaking things I've ever heard come out of GMs and scouts' mouth. Uh, I did want to touch on basketball for two minutes here. We've had some basketball questions. Uh, basketball practice, 28, 28 days away from the regular season opener. Guards are, can really shoot it, man. I mean, th this team's going to really shoot the three. Uh, I put out the story on Inside Texas yesterday, some comparative stats of what some past Texas teams did. I think this team can hit 37 38% from three. 
which is, will be the highest in over a decade since the KD team um, or the year after that, the Elite Eight team. This team can really shoot it. They just got to get the bigs healthy. But look, if Shedrick's back going through a lot of practice, not the full practice yet. Dylan DeSue, I don't think he's not going to be ready for the start of the season. We'll see when he gets ready, um, maybe two or three weeks into the season. But Texas guards can really shoot it. They're really good. Um, I, I think Max Acemus is going to be as advertised, first-team All-Big 12-level player. Uh, the freshman guard, the newcomer guards are really athletic and have some uh, length to them. Um, and so just Texas team, Dylan Mitchell's improvement will be key. Don't expect a huge jump. He's just got to keep making uh, improvements the next two or three years as he advances as a player. This will be his last year at Texas. Uh, but if the things come together for this team, it's a second-weekend team. There you go. And, of course, he answered Emmanuel Villafranco's question with that. He asked, how far can this team go, Jerry? Elite eight or further? There you yeah, go. look, they shoot it too well. And the other thing is, Texas, This the returning guys shot 77.1% from the free throw line. The highest Texas has ever been since 0203 was last year, 75-2. If you come in as a team and you make 77, 77.5% from the free throw line and you shoot 37, 38% from three, you're going to score a lot of points. Then it comes down to your bigs being healthy and you protecting the rim and putting it all together. Uh, Texas is going to – they're going to have enough firepower this year. And, Jerry, I'm going to do one more basketball question real quick, and then we'll get back to football. But Zane Petty yeah. says, how will U of H being in the Big 12 affect hoops? I saw they are ranked second ahead of us and behind the Jayhawks. I think they're going to be tremendous this year. I, their style of play with the talent he now has. Uh, I, I – I'm not going to say it's his best team because he's been to the Final Four and last year they had some injuries that they're ranked number one. Um, I'm not going to be surprised if it doesn't challenge as their best team. I still want to see Kansas with Arterio Morris getting the boot. Uh, that puts a little more pressure on an international freshman wing who's very talented to be a good player for them to, to actually give Kansas everything they need. Okay, Texas Salt Slam says, do y'all get a feeling this is like 2018 when Texas beat OU in the Red River rivalry and lost in the Big 12 title game? Obviously, the situation would be reversed here. Texas still looks like the better team, just didn't play a good game and still had the chance to win. I, you know, I want to say something about that, Bobby. Is it, um, You know, the one thing that Sark said in his Monday PC that I, I totally agree with on, we had three turnovers, ran into a punter, if I had 527 yards of offense, uh, if that's the worst we are this year, we're going to be pretty good. We're going to be all right, is what he said. And I totally agree with him on that. You have to go out and do it, but that is one of the realities from this game with the loss. No, that's what I that, that's what I was going over the stats for yep. uh, early in this, this broadcast is because, uh, look, their offense is averaging 6.9 yards per play. But that's the most for a Texas offense to average per play since 2005. That yeah. means it's higher than 2008. This is a potent Texas offense. Some of the yardages aren't as big as other years and all this other stuff, but that's because there's fewer fewer plays nowadays. Yeah. Um, they are They are performing better and better and getting it together on offense like we haven't seen in a long, long time. Now they got to get it in the end zone, uh, which you know. To be honest, I wanted to bring this one up, guys, and uh, from Archmania. How about Savion Red Zone? I I think that that's one of the things you have to do. Um, I, I think that 
If you want a simple answer to goal line offense on first and goal from the two, I think it's the, I think it's that. I, I really do believe that. Um, because now are you talking he, him in the backfield as a running back? Or are you taking, oh no, I'm talking about him taking the hand taking Quinn off the field. I'm taking the threat of the pass off the field. I move 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 him, move Quinn Ewers out to wide receiver. Savion Red has the ability that if you uncover Quinn Ewers, you're gonna at least occupy that guy. Um, and I think you, you also with the quarterback run back run game, you also account for one more guy at, in the box. And so uh I, I'm a big believer that that's one way Texas could could uh, manage that going two tights, uh, as well as uh, uh, using the big big tight end. Uh, there's just a number of different ways. We, Jerry. We, we talked about it last night with Rod. So here's my thoughts on it. I think if you have a power back, I, I like I like that jumbo formation. But I, I'll almost say with the personnel Texas has at running back. I'm not sure I don't spread it at, out and hand it to Savion Red. Because at that point, all he has to do is make one cut and kneecap a, def- a linebacker, and he dives into the end zone. I, I almost think the personnel at running back, that, that'll, that's going to be interesting to see what Sark does the rest of the year. And I, that makes me wonder, Bobby, do they go out and just recruit a situational big back just for that purpose? If they could find a Cody Johnson part two, would they go recruit that guy out of the portal, maybe as your as your your short yardage red zone back? Uh, because they if they want to run power ball, you at some uh, on some element element you have to have a power back. Yeah, I'm not sure. That's going to bring me to this question from Cotton. He says, "How about Murphy under center from the one yard line?" Not for me. No, uh, no, you don't want to get. Look, you want to take you want to hand it to a ball carrier. I, I and I think that I'm talking about Jerry. I'm talking about fixing it this year. Yeah. Not necessarily with who you recruit next year, because you don't know. I mean, Christian Clark may be that guy. Jarrett Gibson may be that guy. And you already have him on your roster. Um, I'm talking about this year. Um, and that's my that's my piece right now, is that if Texas doesn't um fix it this year where they're 11 of 24 on TD success rate inside the, the uh, 20 that this team's going to lose maybe two more games instead of just possibly one more. In my opinion, that, that it matters that much. You can't have a 46% success rate and think you're going to go undefeated the rest of the way. You're going to have to clip that up to where it was a year ago, 60 plus percent at least. And then while we're talking about red zone offense, the one question here from Horns Up five or five one two says that throw to Worthy on fourth down should have been to Baxter or Worthy instead. Yeah, I think he meant Whittington. Yeah, yeah, Whittington instead. Thoughts? Well, um, I don't know. I think that I think as Sark said in his press conference that he was think that should have been his second down play call. Uh, I think that's what I, I think that's where. Um, I don't have an issue with it being worthy. I think it was probably second down play call, like he said, um, instead of his third down play, instead of his fourth down play call. Okay, let's move on. I get the guy's point. Uh, Jerry UT Boy has a question for you. He says, should we have heard Bo Davis rant part two after the OU game? No, no, um, no, but that's funny, and I do like it. 
Now, if, if Texas has to have another Bo Davis rant, things have gone horribly bad under Steve Sarkeesian in year three or four. Uh, Vader RT says, in general, when correcting mis- mistakes after a game, how many mistakes are truly because of players' instinct versus something that is a conscious choice by the player? How can one fix those week to week? You know, I, I, I look at it and I, I think that it, it is constant repetition is the biggest issue. Um, and Rod Babers and, and Drew Kelson both talk about this. The more you practice something, the more instinctual something becomes. It, it, it's almost like, uh, you know, if you rep something 10 times versus repping something once. Yeah, there are a few people that will get the, the routine down after one. Uh, but after 10 times, most of them get it down, right? And so at what point does it become uh, second nature, really? Because that's what you're talking about with instincts. At what point does turning and running for Keaton Crawford with a, a guy coming across his face, does that become instinct as as opposed to, oh, I'm not seeing this coming. I have to react to it. And that's ultimately what you need at certain positions, uh, particularly in the secondary, in my opinion, and at quarterback. Okay, guys, we've had this question asked quite a bit the past two days, and I just haven't got around to it, so I'm going to ask it now. Captain Americano says, hypothetical, I know this is putting the cart before the horse, but if we went out and West Virginia loses to OU, who faces OU in the Big 12 championship? What is the tiebreaker formula? That goes to uh, least losses overall. Yes. Uh, and West Virginia lost to Penn State. So if a 10-2 and two Penn State with one Big 12 loss versus 11-1 and one Texas with one Big 12 loss, Texas goes in that scenario. Right, Bobby? Yes. All right, so there you go. Now everybody knows. Okay, Jose Rodriguez says, good morning, guys. I think Sark should install a four-wide package in the red zone and pulling out the same place from his Bama offensive coordinator days. I think that's what I was kind of getting at. Look, but the personnel at running back um, is such that I'm not sure I wouldn't try. If, if I have first and goal on the one again, Depending on, hey, look, and you're not going to play anybody as good as OU the rest of the way, to be clear, as the personnel Oklahoma has um, or that Alabama had. But if I get into that situation, I'm not sure I don't do that with the running backs I have, their skill set, and just hand it to Savion Red and say, just, you know, go run pissed off. Go do your thing. Run behind DJ Campbell. Y'all are both pissed off. Let's see what happens on first down. Okay, too broke to pay attention. His question reads, on Texas football, could this offense benefit from going to a quicker snap count at the line of scrimmage? I'm trying to catch the defense off guard. Maybe could have helped the goal line fiasco from Saturday. Uh, they tried to do that on the smoke screen. They went up to the line quick and snapped it, and OU was ready. I think that we've seen in the past Texas try to do that. Ultimately, as long as the defense is well-prepared, that doesn't help you much. Now, a consecutive uh, tempo type offense may get your defensive lineman tired, but you're not talking about a tempo offense. You're talking about a quick snap. Hi, Bobby. Before we move on to these next questions, I'm going to let you tell everybody about Adam Lowy and the Lowy Law Firm. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it, uh, Blake. Thank you so much. Uh, Adam Lowy and the Lowy Law Firm uh, are friends of the program. They've uh, been with us for almost since inception. Adam and his law firm have been helping injured Texans for decades. Uh, give them a call at 512-280-0800 or 
or visit them at loweylawfirm.com. If you've been injured in a car wreck or on the job, he can give you a free consultation. Uh, That's loweylawfirm.com. And that's Adam Lowey. He and his team focus on results for their clients. Give them a shout if you think you might uh, be due some compensation for an injury or uh, work injury on because of a car wreck or on the job. Okay, guys, we got some super chats here that we need to get to. The first one from Dan Fields. And uh, Dan says, I'm not sure of the wisdom in adding big defensive linemen to block on goal line versus big offensive linemen who are natural blockers like Ogbo, Cam, etc. What do y'all think? I think there's a reason for it, Blake. I don't necessarily I, – I, I am a little bit with Dan on this. Uh, unless you have uh, a specific play call and a specific expectation of how somebody's going to defend it, I wouldn't. I wouldn't make that move. I do like, for example, I love Malik Ogbo on the goal line uh, as a as a piece of the uh, of the uh, puzzle. Right, well, we want to thank Dan there for that super chat, and then this next super chat is from Johnny Epps, and Johnny says, "A few shows back, I brought up Jay Witt being more involved. It seems like he got that chance last week. Best game of his career to this point. Uh, unfortunately, came in a loss. Ten, ten touchdowns, or ten, ten receptions. Um, good play overall by by Jordan. Uh, just not quite enough. Uh, but he made that safety look really, really bad in coverage." Okay, we have some recruiting questions that we need to get to, guys. Uh, And let's start with this one from Emmanuel Villafranco. He says, if Baxter and Red are more experienced running backs next year, does Texas go in the portal for a more experienced back, assuming that Brooks goes to the NFL? Unless it's a situational big back, no, because Christian Clark, Jarrett Gibson are on the way committed, and that's still a deep uh, defensive back room – or, sorry, running back room right there. Um, And, look, I mean – uh, I'm Bobby and I are big fans of Christian Clark. Um, he's not an early enrollee. Jarrett Gibson is an early enrollee, unless it's a situational big back or unless somebody else leaves. Um, then I think that's what could impact it. Yeah, I don't. I don't see Texas going into the portal unless there's a great one. Fundamentally, a great running back. As long as they keep uh, Baxter, that's that's my my opinion. Uh, Antoine says, how is the staff going to prioritize Michael Fasusi, Lamont Rogers, Bryson Washington, Tyler Thomas, and Jackson Christian? Well, it's going to be more in-state offensive line guys in this class because it's a really it's a class that Texas really likes in-state, and I agree with them. Um, the out-of-state guy to watch is a kid named John Mills out of San Francisco Private School. He was in for the Wyoming game, and Texas really likes him at guard. He was in at camp and impressed. Um, the, uh, Fasusi's number one tackle. Uh, Lamont Rogers had a shoulder issue, so he couldn't really work out this summer. Obviously, he was at a game recently. Uh, Byron Washington is a, the largest of large humans. He's a guy that you would take and know what you can do with him down the line. Tyler Thomas, I believe, is out for the season with a foot injury. I'm not sure how that will impact him. Uh, Jackson Christian, I think, is a really good guard prospect that Texas really likes. But Fasusi's at the top of the tax- tackle board. And our next recruiting question comes from Joshua Exena. Hope I'm pronouncing that right. He says, do we get Ryan Williams on campus this year? Well, we'll see. I mean, I think if KJ Lacey shows up at a game in November, Ryan Williams will, will probably be with him. 
Uh, Ryan Williams was at Georgia last weekend. So, Ryan, Ryan the, the recruitment will continue. They were at Auburn a couple of weeks ago. He was at LSU this summer. So, will he be on campus at Texas before um, he officially becomes a 2024 and enrolls somewhere this summer or late this summer? I, I, if K.J. Lacey steps foot on campus and, and Ryan Williams not with him, I'll be surprised. And then, There's a uh, long road, way to go in that recruitment, though. There, everybody in the everybody in the SEC that has power wants Ryan Williams, especially now that they know he's uh, trying to be a 2024. And then this question from Champ Bailey. I know that you've already kind of touched on this this morning, part of it anyway. He says, "Jerry, how are we feeling about Kobe Black? And is the flip for for the safety from Florida a legit shot?" Yeah, I mean, I feel as good as I can about Kobe Black. Um, I, I, I think him showing up Saturday at the Cotton Bowl and not going A&M is as strong of a sign. Uh, and to, he was already a big Texas lean. I feel really good about that for Texas. Uh, something would have to catastrophically happen in that recruitment for me. Uh, look, Xavier, Phil same is interesting. Um, twofold. I don't think Texas would have offered him if there wasn't reciprocated interest. That's not an offer you make to a five-star guy who's committed elsewhere since April without knowing maybe even the first contact coming from the McKinney staff to you saying, look, y'all have interest. He'd have interest in y'all. He's getting a little unsure about the situation in Gainesville. I think that's why all this is happening. That doesn't mean you're going to get him, to be clear. I don't want people running the message board saying, Jerry's saying Texas is going to get Phil same. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is this legit? There you go. That offer's not made if it's not legit. I guys in the chat today, we've had a ton of questions about Isaiah Nayor. I know we kind of talked about it earlier this week. Let's talk about it again. Johnny Epp says, any word on if Isaiah Nayor leaves, not drafted, but transferring? Seems like he's being lost in the shuffle with the new talent progressing fast. I think he's in the tank right now. You know, and it's not necessarily the coaches. I mean, I think I think Isaiah's disappointed with his lack of playing time. Um, and I don't know if he he's not going to transfer um, unless he graduates. And I don't know that he's on track to graduate from Texas. Because if he transfers a second time, there is a rule now where you, you will have to sit out that year. Let's see what happens. I, I think that he would be best served uh, trying to, to, to get back on the field sooner rather than later at Texas this year. Somebody saying, somebody saying Cedric Baxter might transfer. Oh. Where are they getting that from? Uh, yeah. I mean, I will say this, nothing will surprise me, but I don't think Cedric Baxter plans on transferring. If Choice leaves, if Choice were to take a job, that's a conversation. Otherwise, no. Yeah. Okay. We got time for a couple more questions. Guys, right here on Coffee and Football, brought to you by Adam Lowy and the Lowy Law Firm. And uh, it, this first one from Ted Appair, he says, let's just address the elephant in the room. We need to go from DB who back to DBU. We had dudes at Texas like Westbrook, Quentin Jammer, who paves the way for Rod Huff, Griff, et cetera. What do y'all think? Well, Ted Appari knows what it's about because I agree with him. Uh, there needs to be more talent in the secondary uh, right now. Um, I, you know, and, and part of that has to do with the recruiting prior to, to this staff. Um, uh, Terrence Brooks, uh, Malik Muhammad, uh, you know, those guys were brought in as five stars. Uh, frankly, 
you know, Ryan Watts and Jalen Catalan were both transfers. Jaron Thompson uh, was a was was not a five star. Uh, Jade Barron, even though he's really good, not that kind of you know first round pick kind of guy. Uh, I would love for Texas to have two or three first round guys like they did in the national championship. Uh, they've got to get back to recruiting those kind of guys. Xavier Philsame, Derek Williams, Manny Muhammad. I, I think those are the kind of guys you really want to fill the roster with. And then Derek Mundy says, am I the only one that thinks Jonathan Brooks will have a decision to make after the year as well? No, Jerry mentioned him. I mean, Jerry, you think so too, right? He should go pro. If, if he, if he has a, even if he's a fourth, fifth round grade, as a running back, you should go pro. Depending on, depending on here's here's the issue there, Jerry. Depending on what you can make in NIL, because it, it it is, and I'm not saying it would be equal. Don't don't get me wrong. Yeah. What I mean is, uh, you know, draft grades have a tendency to not always come true, if that makes sense. They're not ironclad. Uh, so I, I'd like to see, especially at a position like running back, Jerry where they've de-emphasized the position to a level now in the NFL where it's literally they feel like one guy can just is just yeah. as good as the next. Yeah. I, I kind of – where I've always been on a running back is if you can go pro, you should because you're short Y. Yeah, tread, treads on the tires. Yeah. Right? I mean, I, I agree with you in that respect. I think some things have changed in the NFL now. Okay, guys, last question for today. And William Niche asked, great slate of games this weekend. What games are you interested in watching? Two for me. Oregon at Washington, because an undefeated is going yeah. down. And if and I, Washington is tremendous on offense. If they go – but Oregon's more battle-tested right now, which will be interesting to me in that game. Washington had an off week. Um, let's see if Washington – looks really good against Oregon, they become a serious factor because I think that guy's got winner's DNA as a coach out, out the yin-yang. Um, then USC at Notre Dame. Because Notre Dame's not good on offense, but let me tell you something, USC's awful on defense. If USC loses this game, I think they're going to lose three in the regular season. A big game for USC because they still have Washington, UCLA. I mean, go look at USC's schedule. If they drop this game – to a, a, a just okay Notre Dame team offensively, um, USC is going to drop three. I'm going to be looking at the two games in the SEC that might impact recruiting. A&M at Tennessee and Florida. A&M, Tennessee, Carolina. Florida, South Carolina. Those Auburn and LSU, fun. another SEC. But boy, it's going to be fun in the future years, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Look at that. Kansas goes to Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State is coming off of a big win over Kansas State at home. Uh, Kansas – uh, clearly they're trying to get back to their winning ways but and, and moving the ball at will uh, at times against people. Uh, that That's an interesting game right there uh, as well. A really good TV game, a game to watch on TV, but uh, it doesn't really impact Texas is, uh, is Oregon State at UCLA too. Uh, hey, real quick, Damon Graham with a super sticker here. I want to thank Damon for that. We appreciate it. Thanks, Damon. All right, Bobby, what you got coming on later today right here on On Texas Football? Uh, Eric Dunleen and I are going to sit down in the next uh, hour and a half or so and tape uh, the uh, state of the program. We're going to go over uh, where we see Texas at right now, halfway through the season, uh, talk about some uh, stats, et cetera, that we think are important, as well as how Texas may, we believe Texas may try to resolve those issues. Uh, then uh, Wednesday night, 
Uh, we always have the Wednesday night live stream. Uh, Rod Babers and Justin Wells will be alongside Ray Peters. Uh, and then uh, tomorrow, obviously, we'll be back with coffee and football. I, I want to say this. Um, Texas right now in a, in a interesting situation. Halfway through the season, they're five and one. I predicted Texas to be 10 and two uh, this season uh, going into it. Now, obviously, one of those losses I thought would be uh, against Oklahoma or against Alabama. Uh, so what's interesting right now is Texas is better maybe than I even thought they would be. But now they have to be perfect down the stretch. And that is a that's a hard ask for anybody, but especially a program that like Texas that has not been there on, with these type of players before or with these players before. They're asking guys to be perfect the rest of the way. So uh, interesting times for the Longhorns, in my opinion. No doubt about it. Okay, guys, well, that's going to do it for this edition of Coffee and Football. We appreciate all of you tuning in. Thank you for the super chats. And uh, be sure to hit that like and subscribe button. We would definitely love for you to do that. Ring the bell so you're notified anytime a video is posted on On Texas Football. And for Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you tomorrow morning. Welcome.